0: Welcome to Cathedral Talk, a podcast about architecture and Minecraft, where we converse to save Notre Dame. to actually start off today with really a sort more of an anecdote of what I thought was going to be an apology and then turned out to be a vindication for myself.
1: Oh, this isn't good.
2: (laughs) Um, You see, he didn't include this in the topic list because he wanted to dunk on me without any chance to prepare a rebut. Yep. You should have been prepared for that.
0: (laughs) So I said in the end of the first podcast that Paris was a much bigger city than Rome. And I used it as a sort of culminating point of my argument why Notre Dame should be receiving more tourists. And then just sort of randomly, like a couple weeks later, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's true. (laughs) Let me look that up again. And then I looked up and Google gives me an answer that the city of Paris has a population of 2.1 million. I'm like, "Hmm, that's a little bit smaller than I thought. And then I look up Rome and it says Rome is 2.8 million. And I'm like, Oh, so um, I then was like, OK, is that just like central Rome and central Paris? And I sort of had like one of those moments where like I knew that that couldn't be the exact answer. But every time I tried to find the right answer, I just couldn't find it. So I sort of then left thinking that I had made a big blunder on the Internet and that I have been wrong in front of lots of people. And so I was about to come on here with the apology saying that actually it turns out Maybe Paris isn't quite as bigger than Rome as I thought. But then, just before tonight, I sort of looked up the numbers again, and I I found the proper way to look this up. I was looking for the size of metropolitan Rome and metropolitan Paris. And once I looked those numbers up, those numbers are much closer to how I represented them in podcast number one. Uh, according to... Um, Self-reported statistics on Wikipedia that Zach totally endorses. Rome is about 4.3 million people in the metropolitan area, and Paris is 12.6 million people in the metropolitan area. So my argument that Notre Dame should be just receiving more people because Paris is a bigger city holds water.
2: That's it. I, I mean, you, you've you stated two separate sets of data and then you've implied that there's should be some sort of correlation or causation between the
1: two of them, but you have made no effort to actually make that link. You've also implied that the correct data is the one that justifies your position and that clearly the data that was incorrect is, or at least by your stance is, is the one that we should reject.
0: Okay, well, I mean... They are technically self-reported statistics, but we're starting to like look at like (laughs) governmental bodies that are reporting on their capital cities. So if you want to like dunk on them for, you know, not having like a third party,
2: third party appraisal. I'm not saying that they're inaccurate. I'm saying that the claim that just because one city has a higher population, therefore its monument gets more tourism. That's fallacious.
0: Well, I can also give you one other data point here in that I looked up how many international tourists Rome receives versus how many international tourists Paris receives. And again, there's a lot of variation here. And it's hard to differentiate sometimes between international tourists and just like regular day trip tourists, like just from the local population. Domestic um, tourists. domestic Yes, domestic tourists. Thank you. But Rome uh seemed to be having, at least in recent years, international tourists of about 8.8 million per year, whereas Paris was having 17 million per year. So again, if you're bringing that many people in who are coming with the expressed purpose of visiting all the famous stuff in the city, that's really what um, I think kind of clinches that argument.
1: Where did you claim this second set of data is from?
0: So um, this was... Um, you know, I actually had it written down, and I'll have to go looking for it Got
1: again. Lost in the mail. So, so this data comes from a piece of paper that you're staring at.
0: Well, I mean, look, it was from it was from a reputable source on
1: Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I'm I'm realizing, for the purposes of intellectual consistency, I probably should side with you on here because I know mom is listening. And mom needs to understand that Wikipedia can be a reputable source. As as much as I want to poke at you, I'm going to choose to side with you in this one.
2: Oh, thank God. Okay. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore.
1: (laughs) Mom does. That's what matters.
0: Notre Dame gets a lot of people. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, no, no. We believe you. I agree with the statement a lot.
0: All right. Well, anyway. Uh, Welcome listeners. Uh, Thank you for joining us for episode two. It's a miracle that you've made it this far.
1: It's a miracle that we've made it this far.
0: But hopefully we can redeem ourselves a little bit here for uh, as we start to explore both deeply into our Minecraft buildings as well as into topics related to Notre Dame herself. We're going to start today by looking at actually some builds that I referred to in the first podcast my original build for Notre Dame. I played Minecraft in 2011, like I said, when the game was really just in beta stage. And so I was, you know, locked into just a couple materials. So there's really no texturing on this thing at all. But then when you get to all the following stages after that, this is when I sort of started to copy and paste the cathedral in creative mode. There really are four stages to this build over time. What I have today in 2020 is really nothing resembling what I had in the beginning. And that's due to work both in survival mode as well as work in creative mode, as well as some editors to adjust things to make work faster and easier. But it certainly is a structure that has evolved over time. Hence why I call it my Ship of Theseus build. So we got David and Zach here, who I've shared the map with a little bit. So my question is this, when planning a build in Minecraft for the first time, what do you think is really a good place to start with what you should do first for the planning?
2: I think it depends on how far back you want to go for your builds have split between definite real world fabrications that you want to replicate inside of Minecraft and then you also have things that evoke a similar feeling. So in our, our current survival multiplayer server, uh, you're reconstructing Notre Dame, but you also have uh, a basilica that you describe as Romanesque that isn't actually a reflection on uh, any particular basilica. So I think the the first thing that I would do is I would try to get a sense of what do I want to evoke with my building, a sort of feeling that I want when you're near nearby and then after that i would look at buildings not of a particular genre but buildings that i feel like give me that feeling that i want to have people experience when they're looking at my building and then from there i can get a genre of building that i want to create and look at the design elements that are part of that building and then possibly look at other people's builds in Minecraft that are part of that genre. Like, what blocks did they use? What textures did they use? Like, how big do I want to build it? What's the time investment that I want to put into this build? Only after that do I start thinking about size in blocks and also floor plans.
1: I like your starting with, like, Dare I say, almost like a spiritual answer, like uh, when you say, what What are you trying to evoke? It uh, makes a lot of sense. As the person here who has done by far the least amount of building in Minecraft and the things I have built are by far the least impressive, it makes sense to me of things that I might be doing wrong. Because uh, I, I do tend to think about like how big I want to do it first before really thinking about any larger existential questions than that.
0: Man, I was going to say that I have like an answer written down on this paper, but like the way Zach phrased that was just so much better than anything I had written down here. So I'm not really sure I even need to continue with this conversation. <laughs> Zach, you have a way with words. Thank you. You're you're left speechless
1: by your own speech.
2: No, thank you, thank you. It's concise, <clears throat> it's pithy, it's. Direct to the point. Thank you. You
0: you know exactly how many words to
2: use. I'm uh, just thinking of um. Well, there's a, a mathematician who's like I. I'm sorry, I wrote you a letter this long. Uh, it would have been shorter, but I didn't have the time.
1: That, that's uh Lincoln. I'm pretty sure. Uh, um, no, that's
0: that's fair ma.
1: I'm pretty sure Lincoln that's, said that. That's definitely fair ma. I There's a quote from Lincoln. I would have written you a shorter, a shorter letter, but I ran out of time.
2: I'm sure many people have said, I just said it. You can quote me on that.
0: There's a quote that Fermat said, oh, I've got a wonderful proof to prove this, but I've run out of space in this margin.
2: Oh, that's not what I'm talking about. That's a different, that's different.
0: No, it's not. That's the same thing.
2: No, it's definitely not. And also there's a funny joke about that because he's trying to prove for n greater than two on the theorem, but he's only writing in an n equals two plane. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so he doesn't have enough space to write the answer. I got that joke, he, sort of. He, he needs more dimensions. He needs more dimensions. The, the margins of his notebook don't have enough dimensions for him to prove his theorem.
1: Meanwhile, the Lincoln thing bringing I'm sure in, Lincoln said it, but Lincoln wasn't the first bringing in my area of expertise rather than you mathematicians. What he's trying to convey is that to come up with the best way to write something, you have to continually revise and revise. And If you just spew out everything that's in your brain, which is what you're going to do when you don't have as much time, uh, you're likely going to end up writing more.
0: That doesn't sound anything like what I was thinking about.
2: All right. This is from NPR in his letters. French philosopher and mathematician Blaise Pascal famously wrote, I would have written a shorter letter, but I did not have the time.
1: Well, now I've got to find out if I'm making up fake things. No,
2: I'm not saying you're making up fake things.
0: So let me get this straight. We all heard the quote, and then we all immediately jumped to an entirely different person. Zach and I both went to mathematicians, and David went to Lincoln. I guess that pretty much sums up our personalities right there.
1: Yeah, that's about right.
0: Okay, well...
1: Well, here's an article on Quote Investigator that attributes this quote to like six different people, none of which are Lincoln. So, hmm. Right. My claim has always been a lot of people have said it. It's a good line. You're going to
2: find it quoted everywhere.
1: This was the opposite example, or maybe this was the exact example of that quote in practice, by the way, because we just wasted a lot of time and said very little. Brevity is the art of wit. No, soul of wit. Not on this podcast.
0: So... Speaking of brevity, um, floor plans.
2: Floor plans.
0: (laughs) Floor plans.
2: (laughs) Brevity is the soul of wit. I need to get that out. Okay. Not the art of wit.
0: (laughs) Building off of really where Zach took that, because I really pretty much agree with you, you need a centralizing theme that's going to focus your attention on your build. I think the way I would phrase it probably less eloquently is that You need to pick the one most important feature about the build that needs to be perfect. And then once you decide on what that one feature is, you're gonna have to build everything else around that one feature that probably will not be perfect because Minecraft is a game of constraints. You've know, you only got so much depth, so much detail, so much you can squeeze in per cube. And so as long as you can get that one thing perfect, As long as it's the most important thing to you, the builder, then you'll be happy how the thing turns out. In the example of Notre Dame, the west facade, the two towers, the rose window, the three portals, that's the most iconic part of Notre Dame. And when building that in Minecraft, I want to make sure that that looks as good as it possibly could. And so that means that's the first thing I'm going to design when I'm trying to build this. So it's actually not the floor plan that I do first, but once I get that feature sort of planned out on a spreadsheet, I say, all right, now we're going to need to squeeze in a floor plan that fits this thing that's perfect. And then all the other details will then just sort of have to fill in around it.
1: Okay. Makes sense.
0: In addition to that, though, there is a bit of a contradiction to what my second piece of advice is, however. And that is not only should you have definitely focused on what you feel is the most important feature first with planning it. But you should also, in my opinion, when you're actually building the thing, try to save the most enjoyable part of the build for last, because if you do the most enjoyable part of the build first, you're going to very much run out of motivation in your you know, steam to get the thing done. So it's kind of a bit of a contradiction, because quite often the thing that you uh, really enjoy about the build is like the central thing that you want to be perfect So I guess it depends on how good you are at motivating yourself to get the thing done.
1: So to put this in terms that dad would understand, you plan the birthday meal around the cake, but you don't eat the cake first, you eat the cake last.
0: Actually, that's pretty much it. Yeah, Well done. Sheet cake.
1: Sheet cake. Half sheet cake.
0: Mm, Depends on the year.
1: The way that
2: I like to build is uh, I like to have easy wins achievable in a short period of time. So every time I go in, to Minecraft to build. When I'm finished with a segment, I can look at it and be happy that I have completed that. And it's just a small little segment and it's just through the completion of the small little segments over and over and over again, I get the, the final construction out of that.
0: If you look at how all the people in the Minecraft community build large mega structures, it seems like everybody has a different way to get started. If there was a common theme, however, how I would maybe state how most people tend to build, it's almost always do the outside and then fill in the inside. And I think generally that's probably understandable because I think to most people, we identify with buildings the most from their exterior rather than their interior. And I think that that is often where people run into a lot of trouble because the inside is intricate. And fits neatly together with everything that's happening on the outside. And if you just sort of put off doing all the inside work with your floor plan for too late, you're going to have some possible inconsistencies that will be not what you want.
1: That's an interesting parallel for how that might work in real life. Uh, Obviously, in real life, you're presumably if you're doing your job right, you have full plans of what you're going to do inside and out. But then by the limitations of the actual construction process, obviously being far more cumbersome in real life than it is in Minecraft, you're greatly limited in the sort of decorative work that you can do inside until the structural, the outside is complete. So it makes sense that people would mirror real life a little bit in that way.
2: Well, Minecraft provides you this bizarre opportunity to construct the inside before you've constructed the outside. That may be difficult to, to think of because it doesn't have a parallel in real life. Right. But uh, if you had some sort of interior feeling that you wanted to evoke when you're inside of it, then you can, you can make the interior first and then construct the thing around it. I I don't think that's that's too hard to think about in Minecraft, especially when you're talking about like industrial builds of farms and stuff. So you say, like, I want to make a creeper farm or something like that. And it's it's got some constraints on how you construct it. And then once you've built it, it's this ugly redstone mess. And then you say, this is a blight on my world. I want to make this look nice. And then you construct the shell outside of it or, or around it. Sorry. And so that's something that Minecraft allows you to do that, like, (laughs) it's like, I want to make an art museum. And then you just like start putting up some drywall and you just start like (laughs) banging some uh, nails in to hang the frames. (laughs) And then the rain comes and destroys all your paintings. And you're like, "Eh, I should really build a roof at some point. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense in reality, but it is something that you can do inside the game.
0: The interesting thing about Gothic cathedrals like Notre Dame, though, is that they really are built from the inside out, that it's all about really the skeleton of just the bare bones columns and vaults and flying buttresses that hold all the basic pieces together, and then they just stick a roof on top of it. That's probably a very different way of thinking about it than really with any other kind of building where you're going to build complete walls where you just then... You know, carve a hole in for a window or something. Because it just works very different for cathedral design.
2: You're not going to put the pews and the altars and the organ in before you put the roof in.
0: Oh, no, of course not. But in terms of the structure of the interior building itself.
1: Do you follow that in when you do your building? Do you save the roof for last, uh, last just so you can feel a little bit closer to your 15th century version of yourself?
0: Oh, David... You hit the nail right on the, the ham where you hit the, you hit it, David.
1: This uh, has been a great day for metaphors. <laughs> We've been really spot on in all of our metaphors.
2: We should start adding like uh malifors.
1: Is metaphor even the right I- idioms? I, I think I, I got the word. I don't think metaphors right there either. Just to continue the trend.
2: Yeah, that is an idiom.
0: Maybe by like episode 20 or 30, we'll have dad come in as a guest star and explain metaphors to us. So, yes, I very much enjoy living that fantasy of pretending to be that builder from the Middle Ages who's really building the cathedral as a master builder of the Middle Ages would
2: have. By himself with no help.
0: quarrying all that stone and then hopping up and down on large mounds of dirt. Uh <laughs> But in terms of sort of the stages of the cathedral, I tend to try to build them usually in the same stages that the real things would be built in. Usually choir first, ambulatory, chevet. I'm going to need more in, expl- We're going to talk about vocabulary for cathedrals. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, we're going to talk more about all the, the vocabulary of cathedrals in a future episode. But basically what I described is usually, especially these French cathedrals, they really have the east end and the west end. The west end we've talked about a lot is usually the end with the portals and the towers, the front usually. The east end is usually where the high altar, the choir sits, where the most holy part of the structure is. Usually that's built first because out of practicality, since the cathedral is usually going to take 100 years to build, they said, well, look, we want to be able to use this thing before it's done. So can we build like the part where the most important people sit, you know, the clergy? And I should also say that works out with the philosophy that I had stated earlier, because by building this part that I called the choir and the ambulatory and the apps, that's usually the hardest part of any Minecraft build, because that's the most circular, the most curved. And as you can guess, a game of nothing but squares and cubes and things, it's always going to be more challenging to try to replicate a curved surface. So getting the hard part done first really helps with the motivation game, because if you can get that hard part done, then the rest of it becomes a breeze.
2: When you're articulating like your feelings and your aesthetic and how the things that are going inside your own head, I mean, it's impossible to argue that the way you are thinking is not the way that you're thinking.
1: Oh, you think I won't try. It's like the foundation of my relationship (laughs) with him. You are not thinking what you're thinking. (laughs)
0: Returning to my one-to-one scale model of Notre Dame, which we've got David and Zach zooming around on, really what's most important to me about this particular build that we're looking at right now, I really intentionally built this to be a one-to-one scale build. I tried to get the dimensions as close as I could to the real thing. Back in 2011, I read in some book about the cathedral that the towers were like 63 meters high. And then more recently in 2020, when I did some more reading on Wikipedia, sure, on Wikipedia, it then said, actually, the towers are closer to 69 meters tall. And I thought, that's great, because that gives me just enough more room to squeeze in more detail.
2: You can mute individual audio tracks,
1: right?
0: <laughs> yes, Zach. Thank you. I, I do it a lot.
1: <laughs> Excellent. That, that means you could say a lot of more crass things that distract Tom that won't make it in. But Tom Excellent. just is weirdly giggling at things, and you wonder why. Uh,
0: okay. I would say that anybody who's tried to build something architectural in Minecraft is probably aware that it is way easier to build designs that have an odd dimension in each direction rather than an even dimension in each direction. Originally, if you look at the Notre Dame build type built, both in length and width and height, it was always an odd number. And quite simply, that makes it easier because you have a middle block. It's really difficult in Minecraft to get builds looking good, especially symmetrical builds, when there is no middle block. I think there's just something about the need to have sort of that center. If you take that away, it becomes a lot more difficult to rectify that. Although I have been brave when it comes to our new build in game right now, because I am taking the plunge and I've made a completely even build for our two to one scale Notre Dame. And so I'm eager to see how that turns out.
1: Do you have a justification for why doing that other than it's challenging?
0: Uh, I do. There was a couple particular reasons. I think the most notable one was I was trying to get a really nice design for the Rose Window for the new build, the two to one scale. In the center of the Rose Window is sort of like a hollow center of glass with a stone border surrounding it. And the most satisfying design I came up with Was four blocks making up a square of glass surrounded by one block thickness of stone. That was just an even design. And I said, well, if I run with this, can I make it work? And there's definitely sacrifices that are gonna have to happen from that. The roof is not going to come to as much of a point as
2: I would like because there's no middle block. But you could put like two stairs next to each other.
0: Yeah, you can do that, but when the roof is at a pitch that is higher than 45 degrees, the stairs will still not quite feel perfect. It'll be close, but not absolutely perfect. Also, the spire will have to be off-center by a block because the spire, there will be no middle block to put the center on. Again, since it's going to be such a large build, these will be pretty imperceptible differences. But this all kind of goes into that theme I was talking about last time where Notre Dame is actually a very asymmetrical building, and I'm trying to embrace that asymmetrical idea and feel by making some of these weird decisions. As we continue to view my one-to-one Notre-Dame build in Minecraft, different copies are placed side-by-side just so we can tell what the thing looked like from one year to the next. And the sequence culminates in 2020, when I've just recently given the build a facelift. So as you're flying from the early builds to the final build, what changes both in philosophy as well as in the game limitations do you see from one build to the next?
1: Well, the most obvious, just to get it out of the way, is partway through was this on your, I guess, your 2012 build. Uh, You add a spire, which is not present in the first couple.
0: Oh my god, you won't believe how many YouTube
1: comments I got that were
0: all like, you left out the spire, you left out the spire, you devil, you left out the spire. Like, over and over again on that YouTube channel when I posted that in 2011. And I was like, guys, Minecraft map height only 64 meters above sea level uh, and the spire needs to be way more tall than that I could have put in a really stumpy thing that would have looked terrible
2: or sunk it into the ground
0: or I just left it off which was still terrible but not as terrible in my opinion
2: what I see going from build to build is um, a diversity of blocks and the build type
0: increases
2: and then once you cease caring about being able to replicate it in survival a lot of your your blocks get uh, much more expensive not just in the the diamond blocks that are in the third build. Which
1: congratulations,
2: <laughs> if you if you did that in survival.
0: I did not do that um, in survival. No.
1: No, I know. I know. <laughs> and the detail work just goes up dramatically, particularly in the in the 2020. Uh, one of the nice things is stained glass finally exists in the game at, at this point, which adds a lot. One thing that makes a slight problem with Minecraft in terms of reality to life is that the stained glass still looks good on the outside, whereas in in real life stained glass looks very dark from the outside.
0: One thing I did want to point out, though, to sort of wrap up our quick little tour here that is different about the first three builds and then when we got to the final one is that the first three were completely symmetrical, whereas the final one is asymmetrical. And this is on a one-to-one scale build, where I had to make a lot of compromises to really squeeze it into that dimension of what the real thing is like. A lot of people have built Notre Dame in Minecraft, which is fantastic. I love looking at what other people have done. Most people build them bigger than this one. This is a relatively small build in comparison to what the community usually does whenever anybody decides to build it. And the reason is because It's very difficult to get those flying buttresses to look good when they're just two blocks thick. You're going to have these off-center buttresses where, you know, it doesn't line up in the middle. It only lines up to one side. So there's a lot of sacrifice I had to make to get it to squeeze in there. But, you know, I sort of focused on what was most important and threw out what was least important.
2: I'm kind of disappointed that your organ doesn't have note blocks.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I might have to pull you in on that because I'm I'm not good at that programming, but um, I should do that. So when you look at the final build, the 2020 build, can you tell which tower is wider?
2: Uh, I'm going to guess the left tower.
0: Imperceptibly so, but you're right.
2: Perceptible
1: to one man.
0: (laughs) I thought it would be impossible to make this look good, and I'm tickled that I feel like I actually pulled it off with so few blocks, but the left tower is actually one block wider. And everything is still perfectly centered towards the middle without any, I think noticeable difference with the other tower. And that's even though the North Tower is an even dimension rather than an odd dimension. Like I said, it's really difficult to do this with even dimensions because you don't have that middle block to work with. But due to the nature of the staggered staircases going up the center, you can kind of fudge it and make it look like there's a center column when there really isn't a center buttress.
1: Kind of feels like uh, uh, when composers hide jokes into their music that only other composers can get. No one can tell that you made it one block wider, except apparently Zach. You know, Maybe someone who knows that specific detail of Notre Dame can figure that out on their own, too. The arch and the portal kind
2: of gave it away. The one on the left, the diorite arch, is two blocks at the top, and the stone brick's For the right portal is only one in the middle.
0: Well, and I think that's exactly how people who look at real Notre Dame start to notice the asymmetry. It's probably true. Because that's the most distinct feature that is clearly not on the other side. That north portal has that weird triangle above it. And the south portal does not. And you're like, oh, that's asymmetrical. I wonder why they didn't put that there. And then your eyes slowly go up the west facade. And then you realize at the next stage above the King's Gallery, oh... Those windows are a little bit wider on the north side than the south side. And you go up to the tower and you're like, you know something? I don't think those towers are actually the same width. And then the glass shatters and your whole world crumbles under you. Or at least my world did the first time I saw it.
2: Yeah, use the first person, not the second person.
0: (laughs) Right. Sorry. But my world came around and uh, I very much like it this way for all the reasons we discussed last time. Rebuilding Notre Dame. What do we think about rebuilding it just as it was before the fire versus building it with some new details that were not there before? We actually have some images from the internet that the internet concocted hours after the fire occurred for suggestions on how we should rebuild this thing. And we're going to sort of pool our thoughts together on what we think about some of them.
1: Spoiler
2: alert, they're almost all bad i thought the one that was just a pure bronze sculpture of the fire itself uh, i thought that was in great taste
0: that's got to be one of the bigger trolls of 2019
1: the quote here is good some say we should rebuild the spire as it was originally others say we should design a new one so let's build a new one as it was eight days ago oh no it hurts the day of the fire
0: That really that that cuts me deep I mean, there's a lot of very modernist interpretations with a lot of these builds on how people said we should rebuild the roof this way or we should rebuild the roof that way. They all seem to have as a common theme glass. I think people very much interpret like glass and metal and light as very modernist feel.
2: I think we heard similar criticisms of the Louvre, the giant glass pyramid that was outside the original museum construction. I don't know what that pyramid is called, but there was a lot of criticism that the glass was really ugly and modernist. And as far as my feeling of how people are thinking of that pyramid now is that it's actually a really nice addition to the museum It's not something that's an eyesore.
1: How new is that? I didn't even...
0: Well, it's been around at least since the Da Vinci Code.
1: Yeah. I have to say that's kind of where my start of my knowledge of the Louvre comes from, too.
0: I mean, that's literally like in, I think, the first chapter or something where they talk about, oh, yeah, that thing, it's brand new and everybody hates it. Mm. So I guess we have to look up when that book was published.
1: 2001? Two? Two. Three? Two. Somewhere
0: around there. I think with the glass pyramid for the Louvre, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I like it now.
1: Did you not like it before?
0: Well, so that's the thing. I didn't really know the Louvre very well before it was built because I was never that interested in it until I read the Da Vinci Code. I think the Da Vinci Code, since, I mean, I was like, what? I was in high school. Like, I didn't think too much about, you know, museums at that point. And so reading that book was sort of like, oh, there's this interesting, you know, world of art and uh, symbology that suddenly piqued my interest but yeah I didn't really I, w- I wasn't having to say oh I preferred it the way it was before because I wasn't familiar with the way it was before
1: I hadn't really until this conversation hadn't really contemplated that glass is considered modern in that way I mean my brain immediately goes to the shard uh, in London which is just giant and glass and that's pretty much it's only defining characteristics
0: god do I hate that thing by the way
1: yeah. And uh, God, it's... do I hate
0: that thing, by the way? I just burped. So I had to say it again. <laughs> 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 it's maybe a bit of a, an a- anachronism because Notre Dame and Gothic cathedrals, they're defining characteristic that really made them new to the world, aside from some of the structural stone elements. Was there stained glass, right? Stained glass was a huge first-time innovation that had never been around before. Really, those Gothic cathedrals brought that to full force in a way that had never been done. Of course, we don't do stained glass in that way with, with any modern architecture. Somehow, I still think of glass in terms of anything modern, and I can't quite explain why.
2: The strength of the steel in the construction allows the structural elements of the build to be uh, less imposing than design elements of the build. So the glass itself almost becomes structural in modern builds when you are mixing uh, the glass and the steel in that way. And just because glass is an important design element in Notre Dame, it's not visually structural in the way that it feels like any modern skyscraper looks like when you're looking at it. You look at a modern skyscraper, it looks like it's mostly glass, even though structurally it's steel.
0: And concrete. And concrete, yeah. Lots and lots of concrete. Yeah. All of these glass suggestions for how to rebuild the roof are just not. Gothic in the style with maybe one exception. If you look at the Mises Studio build, which is the third link I sent you, the Mises Studio build is perhaps the only one that I could have lived with if they had decided to go this route. They still use all the glass for all the roof tilings, kind of really where the tilings in lead used to be. But there's so much metal work for the joints of the different parts of the roof and where the spire all culminates. And I think the spire in that build actually isn't really glass. The spire is really pretty much a replica of the exact same spire it was. Since it was a nice blending of the old original elements with a lot of those gothic curls and artsy doodads. (laughs)
2: It's a technical term.
0: Yeah, mixing the glass for the tiles in the roof. I could have lived with that. However, I am pleased that they're going back to the, I'm not going to say original. Um, I think the more proper way to refer to how they're going to rebuild it is the Ville-le-Duc version of Notre Dame. Because as we have mentioned, Notre Dame has changed much over many, many centuries of its lifetime. And I think that was the key argument that a lot of people were saying, well, we should do something new this time. We should do something new to continue in that tradition. Of You know, like it's never going to be exactly the same building. Add on to it. It's a ship of Theseus. But my argument against most of these is, again, is yes, it was evolving over time. But the key thing about Ville Le Duc is that he wanted to preserve the Gothic feel to be as authentic to the Middle Ages as possible with just a bit of flair. He did accentuate certain details in a way that wasn't quite authentic to the original, but he wanted it to feel medieval. He never wanted it to feel modern. And all of these builds are trying to make it feel partially modern, which doesn't work in my opinion.
1: I think there also is something to be said here about how a cathedral fits in the moment in history that it's in. Massive cathedrals like Notre Dame are ahead of their time in so many ways compared to anything else that we were building at that time. So really, they're kind of of the future. Today, something like Notre Dame is totally of the past. Like, we have more than surpassed that sort of building style in skill and technical ability as as a human species at this point. For centuries, you look at this like, that's an incredible feat of human ingenuity it would be amazing if at some point, you know, we could design things like that in the rest of our lives. Whereas today now we look at that, like that was incredible that they could do that back then. We're, we're way past that now. Uh, and so trying to put that same sort of evolving mindset onto it and keep it quote, quote, modern doesn't really work in the way that it would have worked in centuries past uh, because the cathedral isn't about the future in the way that it, it was for all of that time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that point you make where, from their perspective, when it was built, it was futuristic. I mean, can you imagine Bob the Monk telling Bill the Fletcher that, man, look at that space-aged cathedral, right? <laughs> <laughs> From that perspective, it's like it was completely ahead of its time for them. And, you know, it's a weird try to get our our heads in that because they feel so old to this day.
1: I feel like Zach might feel the opposite.
2: If you're trying to replicate... The feeling that it evoked when it was created and you're saying that the feeling that it evoked that when it was created was that of something futuristic wouldn't you then want to evoke the feeling of
1: futurism. I don't think that today we need to try to evoke what it felt like in the past. I think it is perfectly appropriate that a modern audience looks at that and feels something entirely different than what it used to be. I think it's entirely appropriate that when it was built, it evoked a sense of moving towards the future, whereas today it is a reminder of our past. And uh, I like cathedrals because they are a reminder of our past. I think they should continue to evoke that sort of feeling.
2: Yeah, I I agree that you were consistent. I was just surprised that Tom agreed with you uh, on that because Tom was saying, I want something that evokes the feeling that they felt when they constructed it. And I don't think that is what you were claiming at all.
1: With Tom, it's a... I'm, I'm going to psychoanalyze him. Oh, dear. Here we go. <laughs> it's a, He's an interesting... Uh, traditionalist how you interpret traditionalism is very different if you're trying to keep it traditional but from the perspective of looking back historically or or do it from the the i don't like where this ended i
2: mean i think the most surprising thing is that tom agreed with you on anything at all ever
1: there we go Thank you. You brought it back around
0: to defend what I said (laughs) in that I, I agree that it's important to put ourselves in the mindset of it was very new and ahead of its time. But at the same time, there is a very definitive style to how it was built and any rapid diversion from that style is not good. The clearest example I can think of when this has been done is something that's no longer around. Old St. Paul's Cathedral in London burned in the Great Fire of London in 1666. It was a Gothic cathedral that had a lot of issues, it was huge. It was extremely tall, had a, a spire that fell actually before the fire because it was kind of structurally unsound. But it was kind of a big old church that the Londoners sort of thought and said, you know, we don't like this church that much when it came time around the 1600s. And they started to do weird things to it. They perverted the facade of it to have Roman and Greek classic columns. They really tried to classify, uh, classic, classify.
1: That's definitely not
0: right. That's definitely not a word. Um, they definitely tried to adopt the classics, renovating the building in a lot of ways. In fact, Sir Christopher Wren, if I remember correctly, had a plan to really remove a lot of the Gothic elements in the whole building, which he was going to set out and do for this revival Baroque period that he was a part of. But then the Great Fire happened and burned it all down. And when I see the pictures of those thing of that old St. Paul's and what they were planning on doing to it. Man, I just want to weep for it. It looks terrible.
1: I recently read in Vox as well that we can put in show notes if we're doing those. Our impression of what things looked like in the past was also frequently wrong. A great example is when we see statues, uh, like white marble statues that we associate with the Roman style. That is completely, from our understanding, completely inaccurate of what it would have looked like in the times of Rome when those statues were everywhere. They were all painted. They were incredibly colorful. Our association with them as, as stark and white is a modern lens Looking back, I I forget what, presumably, because it just wore off over time, but then it got reimagined as like, that is how it was. And so you have to be careful about trying to impose what we think it would have been back at that time out of a false sense of traditionalism.
0: The French government has decided to rebuild Notre Dame in the Ville-le-Duc restoration just before the fire, but that is still very nebulous in terms of materials. Clearly, they cannot sheathe the entire roof in lead again.
2: I mean, they could. No. But like, why would they want to?
0: They cannot do that for all sorts of obvious reasons. Well, then what do you do to replace the lead this time? Uranium. You're already approaching this from a point that you're not going to be able to rebuild it exactly as it was. You're going to have to pick some different things. And then when you decide to pick some different materials, then that sort of opens up the creative window a little bit to say, okay, well, we are doing something different here. Can we do something subtly different right here, too? As they go, they're going to have to constantly assess themselves. And I really like to know what their process is for that assessment.
2: I really like and gravitate to your desire for them to use a a consistent style. It shouldn't necessarily matter what materials you're using. If you're trying to evoke the style, then you can use concrete, you can use plaster, you can use linoleum tiling. Um, Like the materials itself should be in service to the style. The, the style is the most important part of it. And whatever materials you use should be in service of, of creating that style. You shouldn't be so locked into the materials themselves. It's not what it's made of that makes the style.
0: Oh, man. It's so funny you said that, too, because usually one of my biggest mental blocks when building these things in Minecraft has always been like, oh, that would look really good if I used wool for that wall right there. But it's wool. It's not stone. I can't get over that mental block of like, it's a video game, Tom. It doesn't matter what <laughs> the, the engineered name of the block actually is. Use what looks good, damn it. In the case for the actual building, I really am hoping that they decide to, frankly, use more fire resistant materials, more structurally sound materials to replicate a roof that looks like the old one, but has a lot of advantages to what it used to be. And I, I admit, I'm very mixed in what they've actually decided to do most recently because there's been a lot of stories that have come out about how that they have hired these fantastic carpenters and craftsmen who are employing middle-aged techniques to replicate the original trusses of the roof out of wood. And in fact, they did a replica truss of one of the trusses in Notre Dame in front of it, I think just in like the last month or two. I think they have decided to go with using original French wood to sort of rebuild the roof as it is. And, In some ways, I find that super romantic. And I think that's so cool that they're using the medieval building techniques because they want this to be authentic. But I'm also like, man, I don't want this fire to happen again. (laughs) I don't want this fire to happen again.
2: I mean, if the fire happens again, it just employs all of those workers in order to to rebuild the roof and put money back into the French economy.
0: That's their whole plan. They're going to build the roof so that it burns down so they can just keep doing it for perpetual employment.
1: (laughs) And I think this perfectly matches into our donation drive tom take it away so we're trying to raise money <laughs> for notre dame
0: give generously See, i
2: was saying something keynesian and you warped it into something machiavellian
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about <clears throat> money in a little little bit um but I, I i really would like to know what do you think about rebuilding the roof out of wood do you think it's a good idea or a bad idea? Because I'm so torn on this.
2: Yeah, I think it's fine. Plenty of buildings are made out of wood. Yeah.
1: There's definitely ways to do it that would be better than what they did in Notre Dame. And, and a lot of it was not. It was the fire suppression system was awful. It, it wasn't just that the materials were flammable. Lots of materials are flammable. It was a cascading series of failures. uh, And you can solve for a lot of that and still potentially use slightly more flammable uh, building materials and accomplish the same thing.
2: Yeah, I don't think any of us are advocating putting asbestos in the walls.
0: I mean, I, I, I think you're right. I think if they do it well, and my guess is considering the risks that they are now intimately aware of, they probably will do a pretty safe job. But there's also just something to say like wood. I think it's a miracle that the roof lasted 800 years. Like at some point in the next 800 years, I think any wooden roof is more likely to burn than to not just because of the law of large numbers. And I guess I I would like to think that this cathedral is more eternal than that.
2: But it is, right? Because it survived fires already. And so I, I don't want to sound callous, but the problem of fires in the history of the cathedral isn't an existential threat. It's just a temporary setback to the cathedral. And so I don't think you should be afraid of fires to the degree that it sounds like you are.
0: One particular detail that I really want to know about is the state of the Twin Towers of the West Facade. Because if you recall back to the fire, the night of the fire, probably the scariest point in that fire, at least for me, was when I saw that the North Tower caught on fire. That's the tower that holds the eight lighter bells that were recently installed just in 2013. It's a completely wooden structure on the inside of that tower, the bell frame, the belfry that holds all those bells up. We're talking massive timber, massive frames that are holding these multi-ton bells all in place. That frame caught on fire. I saw it on the news. There was flames leaping out of that tower. I have been trying in vain to find photographs of the current state of that North Tower. Uh, and I have not found almost anything.
1: Yeah, they don't. I remember looking too. They don't seem to have publicly posted anything.
0: Yeah, I, I think I saw one, maybe, where it looked like it was one picture of one of the bells. It was a very small picture. And it looked like I could definitely see some scorching on some of those wood timbers of that bell frame. And I really. Want to know, what's the plan? You know, um, is the frame still in good enough shape that they can just leave it as it is? Or is there enough fire damage to that frame that, so are they going to have to dismantle the entire belfry and then put in, you know, new wood for all the parts that have burned down? I was very thankful that the South Tower, as best as I can tell, and from what I remember witnessing, did not appear to catch on fire. The winds were not blowing towards the South Tower. And the South Tower is where the great Bell Emmanuel is, which is the one really old bell and the most beautiful bell in that whole tower. We will talk about bells another time, but I was so glad that that bell was saved from the fire. And as far as I know, that bell frame should be just fine.
2: So you have opinions about what material should be used on the exterior for the roof, and wood is a, a reasonable construction material to to construct the belfry out of. Would you be so upset if they chose a different material? I guess I'm just trying to figure out the difference between your opinions on, like, exterior versus interior design choices, right? If, like, they made the frame out of, like, steel or graphene or something like
1: that. Because it's also interior that's not visible for the most part.
0: Yeah, again, generally for non-visible stuff, especially in, like, these upper levels of the roof and, to an extent, the towers, I am a little bit more okay with just using modern materials, Again, like you said, as long as we're maintaining the style of the building, I think that you're not going to be sacrificing any of the traditional work of how the cathedral's structure itself stands from stone, because Gothic is a stone methodology. The whole way the stone skeleton fits together is the fundamental way Gothic works. And so everything that was lost in that fire, with the exception of some of the vaults that collapsed and some stone damage at the top of the thing, We're talking about stuff that I feel like doesn't violate what Gothic architecture is.
2: If you used concrete instead of stone, would that be um, sacrilegious?
0: I would have some problem with that. Yeah, I I would say let's let's use some traditional stone. That one is a little too far for me. But if uh, you might have, I don't know if you've heard of this cathedral before, but the cathedral of, oh gosh, I'm going to say this wrong. I want to say Rems. It's in France, but... It was a cathedral that's also in France. It's a very famous one that was struck by shells in World War I. And its wooden roof burned, they rebuilt it out of I-beams and concrete. So I have no problem with that. And so for the same reason, I think I would have no problem with doing the same thing with Notre Dame's roof as well. Of course, when the cathedral burned, um, lots of people came out to pledge money and donations to repair the cathedral. But as you know, there's a difference between pledges and cash. And while a lot of that money has finally come about to pay for reconstruction and restoration, I don't think they're still quite close to that billion dollar pledge donation threshold that they were predicting. And there's a funny sort of fact about restoration that we're going to have to talk about some other time that restoration, as far as I can tell, is just way more expensive than building something from scratch. Like if you took that billion dollars and said, you know what, let's just build a replica Notre Dame from scratch. I bet you they could figure it out and do it with no problem at all. But if they said, let's take the old Notre Dame that we have right now and fix it up as best as we can to insert new elements with the old to make it appear just like the original. Honestly, I think it sounds like that costs way more money. And so with that fact in mind, this is going to be a long project for many years. And so that's why we've started this podcast. So we can raise awareness and hopefully encourage some of you to donate on the behalf of the podcast.
1: So let's do it. Let's raise a billion dollars. We can do it. Ra. rah, rah. That's getting all cut.
0: That's it for now. Check out our podcast website at cathedraltalk.fm. There you will find many architectural visuals and Minecraft goodies. If you would like to support our efforts here at Cathedral Talk to aid in the restoration of Notre Dame, please use the direct link on our website to donate to Friends of Notre Dame de Paris.org. Friends of Notre Dame is a non profit organization that is leading the international fundraising efforts to rebuild and restore Notre Dame Cathedral. By donating to them through the link at cathedraltalk.fm, we'll know that our podcast is reaching new patrons. As our own Minecraft project progresses, we'll be sure to share plans, screenshots, and videos for your own visual palette. Good day and happy building.